Welcome to the Grace Monroe Podcast. We are a community of Jesus followers located in Monroe, Georgia, that exists to pursue God's heart for the restoration of all things. For more information about our church, visit graceformonroe.com. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this week's message. But you're going to open your Bible. This is what we do. We come together, we worship, we are communicating, we are filled and refreshed by God to go be the church the rest of the week. And so we're going to open the word together. We're going to open up to Isaiah chapter 61. Get your Bible with you, or a Bible app that you want to use. So we're going to spend some time, right? We're going to start this morning. As we come back together, actually, uh, where we are headed today, over you know, the next eight weeks, I thought we were going to start diving into four weeks ago, but then obviously we took a little bit of a pause. And uh, But I'm excited to, to dive in with you as we're entering into a new season for our church in our church family. As Rob said, I'm actually continuing to make progress. If you're in this room, we consider you part of the family. And, uh, and we are in the middle of a giant renovation project, and hopefully in the next few weeks we'll have our Grace Kids building come online, our coffee shop and cafe uh, opening up for business, and we're going to continue to just take one step at a time forward. And uh, in this in-between season, between now and Easter, our grand opening uh, out to the community, and we're going to invite our neighbors to come engage and be a part of God's doing here at Grace Monroe. We're going to just take a few minutes and look at who it is that we believe God has called us to be as a church and as a church. And we really believe God has given us a clear and compelling vision for the future of who we are and what He's called us to be. For the sake of this city, for the sake of Walton County, and even to impact the nations. And the same that is true for us as a church family, as a community. This is who we are. This is what we're called to live into. It's also true for your life, for my life. But there's a unique vision of God for you. Uh, the way that He formed and fashioned you, when He knit you together in your mother's womb, a vision for your life, the man or the woman for you to become. A unique identity, a kingdom call, a role to play for God's purposes. The reality is that most of us live without a clear vision for the future. I mean, we sometimes catch glimpses, don't we? And kind of something stirs in our hearts, or we get passionate about something, or something really resonates with our souls, and it's like, Oh, I want to be a part of that. I feel like I'm called to more, but I don't know what that is or what that looks like. Most of us just live our lives kind of in this blur of busyness and noise. And we go through our day, and we go to sleep, and we wake up, and we do it all over again. It's almost like looking at a 3D picture without the glasses on. 
You go to throw that uh, picture up there on the screen. Yeah, it's a little blurry. It looks a little bit off. It, you can tell what's there, but you can't quite. You know, it, it feels like there's something wrong with the picture. You put those glasses on, and all of a sudden you are part of the picture. All of a sudden you don't just see clearly. It, it it captures you. It comes out to you. It invites you in. It's alive. I think so many times in our lives we end up with this sort of you're living a 2D life in a 3D world and it just feels a little blurry, a little bit fuzzy. I can kind of get a glimpse of what's happening, but then all of a sudden God gives us a clear vision and we're drawn in, we're captivated, we're part of the story. So go ahead, I want to show you, this is a fun little thing. I know you have a lot of kids in the room with us until our Grace Kids building opens up. We are so happy that you were with us. We love kids and Grace in the room. But go ahead, let's show that uh, fun little All right, get ready for the ride. Get to church, we expect to get a six flag experience. Y'all look amazing. Take a picture. Freedom, liberty to the captives, 
and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's actually this passage that Jesus used when he launched into his ministry in Luke chapter 4. Jesus is saying much like this, the weekly gathering in the synagogue, and if you grew up in a, in a you know, liturgical church, maybe you know that my uh, wife's family, PCA, so there is a, a set reading every Sunday in every PCA church across America, they're reading the same Old Testament passage and the same New Testament passage, and it's posted on the wall, same kind of thing in Jesus' day, is there was a reading for the day. Jesus, as a rabbi, as a teacher, is the one that's going to read that passage. And so he reads the reading for the day. And the day that he chooses to read, to announce his ministry, the passage to read is Isaiah 61. So he reads what I just read out loud to you. The crowd, the congregation is gathered watching. And then he stops right there. Proclaims the year of the Lord's day. Closes the scroll and goes and sits back there. It says every eye is fixed on They're intrigued. Why? Because he didn't actually finish the passage. The reading was supposed to keep going, and Jesus stops right there. And then when everyone is staring at it, trying to understand what's happening, Jesus missed your cue. It keeps going. He says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your cue. This promise that you've been waiting for, that the world has been groaning for, that the broken hearted would be healed, that the captives and prisoners would be set free, that in some translations, that the, the eyes of the blind would be opened. Today, Jesus says, that's happening right in front of you. Now, interesting because as that passage, as Isaiah 61 continues, the next verse is. In the day of the vengeance of our God. Jesus stops at the day of the Lord's favor and says, this has been fulfilled, but the day of the vengeance of God has not been fulfilled. Because Jesus knew that it's going to be about three years later that that part of the scripture would be fulfilled. And all of the wrath of God against the sin of humanity was going to be poured out not on the sinners who deserve it, but instead Jesus would take that wrath and that vengeance all on himself on a cross. One day the rest, one day in not too distant future, the rest of that passage would be fulfilled in Jesus. But for now, Jesus is announcing the kingdom is at hand. This hope of every human heart, because it was God's intent from the beginning that we would live in relationship, intimacy, vulnerability with him and with one another. All the way in the beginning of the Bible. God's desire is that we would exist in the awareness of his presence. Walking with God. A people created to live in intimacy and connection with their creator. And then sent out by God, with God, to take his goodness to the edges of the earth. An identity and a calling. That's Genesis 1 and 2, but then we get Genesis 3. But instead of listening to the voice of God, they choose to crown themselves king and listen to other voices, and the world spirals out of control from that point. And so when Jesus stepped onto the scene, what he's saying is, I've come to restore what God always intended. And you would be one with me 
and restored in relationship with one another. That your identity would be restored. That your calling and destiny would be restored. The rest of Isaiah 61 continues. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion in the place of God. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning and the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. And I want you to hear this because this, 10 years after we first planted Grace and Row, became what we felt like was the call of God for us. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Who is it that becomes the oaks in this passage? The broken heart that has been made whole. The captives who have been set free. Those who mourn and grieve. The broken and the lost, the abandoned and the scared, brought back into the presence of God. And now, having been restored, are invited by God into his great restoration mission. So when we say, what is our calling as a church? What are you and I, what are we together being invited into for the sake of this city and for the display of the Lord's glory? To pursue God's call for the restoration of all things. For the restoration of relationships, for the restoration of hope, for the restoration of dreams, for the restoration of marriages, for the restoration of joy, for the restoration of peace, for the restoration of identity, for the restoration of calling, the restoration of purpose. Restore people. Restoring presence. That's who God is inviting us to become. That's the calling God is inviting us to partner with him on. Look forward to Luke chapter 6. Two chapters after Jesus' kingdom proclamation, Jesus didn't just go saying a bunch of stuff and talking about a lot of interesting philosophical ideas. He actually did, right? He demonstrated exactly the things that he was proclaiming. The availability of the presence of God in the person of Jesus. And so Jesus is restoring what God always intended from the beginning. An encounter of his presence. To know his heart. But the religious leaders, they don't like that. They like their rules. They, they like things the way they are. They like their power. They, they, they like to be in control. And one of the areas that, that kept showing up and Jesus kept disrupting this idea of Sabbath. The heart of God for Sabbath goes all the way back to the beginning of creation, the space of rest, of encountering the presence of God, of being aware of and being present with one another, this weekly rhythm 
of drawing near to God and to, and to each other. But they made it about rules, about the things you can do, the things you can't do. So Jesus walks again at a different time into that synagogue. And there's a man there, and it describes this man in Luke chapter 6 as having a withered right hand. So hold up the right hand, and I make a fist. Now, the withered right hand isn't just simply, uh, now it looks like we're all like, you know. <laughs> You can put that with the right hand. <laughs> yeah, all right, there you go. Uh, it, with the right hand, wasn't just, you couldn't could sign his name well, right? The right hand, biblically, in that culture, was a symbol of authority. It was a sign of favor. It was a symbol of strength and power. It was a symbol of God's blessing. We read about the imagery of a right hand throughout the scriptures. And here's this man. He's lost that strength, that identity, that blessing. He's broken, weak, vulnerable, ashamed. And he's in this community, and you can imagine he's kind of sitting in the back of the room. Useless for God, not blessed by God, not strong, not powerful. And Jesus asks this question: Is it to do good? Is God's heart for Sabbath to do good, to bring life? And so he points out that man, and he goes, "Hey, you stand up." He imagines this guy. You know, he don't pay attention to him, and here all these things Jesus does. So he kind of he stands up, and everyone's watching Jesus. See what he's going to do. Is he going to break the rules or is he going to do something powerful? And so he, uh, he st- this guy stands up and he's just standing there. And Jesus says to him, I lost my place in my Bible. I asked you, he says to them, I asked you, which is lawful and sad, to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? Kind of a rhetorical question. That's not a, a hard one to figure out. He looked around at the another uh, another gospel telling the same story. He's broken hearted by their silence. And then he says to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and that hand was completely restored. His strength was restored. His authority restored. The symbol of blessing restored. The same encounter that Jesus had with that man is the same encounter Jesus was have. I don't know the places in your life. I do know some of your stories. The places that you feel bound or captive. The place that you feel weak and vulnerable. The place that you feel forgotten or wrong. The place that you feel ashamed and embarrassed. That place in your past. That failure. That lack of forgiveness. That bitterness. That wound. I don't know where, I don't know your withered right hand, but God does. The invitation of Jesus is that 
You want to speak the word of life into your soul to bring healing and freedom and release and power to restore what was lost so that you can encounter the fullness of the kingdom. The amazing thing about God is he doesn't stop there. I mean, that would be enough, right? But he invites us, restored people, into this restoration mission. It's not just simply they're set free and they're given sight and they're restored to strength and relationship, but they become oaks of righteousness. They become the rebuilders of cities. They become the renewers of the next generation. They become the ones that God uses to bring about his restoration for the sake of others. That's the call of God on our lives. Transform people, transforming places, restore people, bringing restoration. It's not to sit or boring your ends on a church pew on Sundays for an hour and check it off. It's to be brought into this thing, reminded of a few things, look each other in the eye, and remember God hasn't given up on us yet. Let's go do this thing the rest of the week. Let's go engage our neighbor. Let's go, let's go meet a new friend. Let's go speak life. Let's go pray for God's miracles. Let's go do something because God has done something with us. Amen? That's what I want to be a part of. With you. That's what I feel like God's inviting us into. That's what I feel like God, this campus God has given us isn't about having three buildings that we meet in for an hour a week. It's about creating space for his grace to go out from here to the neighborhood for the sake of this city, for the sake of this county, out to the ends of the earth. It's a big call for a little church. We're just a handful of people. But if God, Jesus did it with 12, that God, we could do something with 200, Amen. So God has given us this dream. He's given us a glimpse of the future, and I do believe firmly, I've always believed firmly, one of my favorite verses, that, that he who calls us will do more than we can even begin, immeasurably more than we can even begin to imagine or ask for, which is pretty awesome, because I feel like I can imagine for some pretty awesome things. And God's like, yeah, your little dreams pale in comparison to my dream for you. I feel like there's something I need to hear that. Your little dreams for your little for your life pale in comparison to God's dreams for your life. Let's say it again. Your little dreams for your life pale in comparison to God's dreams for your life. But he's given us a glimpse. We're calling our big five for. 2025, we've started to share some of this, but I want to keep it in front of us because this is what we're inviting you to engage in as part of this family. For the next five years, what do we think that God's going to do in us and through us, through the people sitting in this room right now who are engaged with us online? Well, five years, we want to see what we, what we got to experience 10 years ago. A church planted out of Snellville, we want to see a church planted out of Monroe. We don't know where that is. Covington, Detroit, or Dubai. We're wide open. We're anywhere in between. But we believe in the next five years that God's going to raise up a community of people out of you to go plant a church somewhere else, an expression of grace in another community. In five years, we want to see ten schools that are impacted, saturated with gospel presence. 
People of kids coming to know Jesus and being discipled into their faith. In five years, we want to be 100% activated on this campus. All the dreams, all the buildings, all the space that God has given us, we want to see that being lived into 24-7. The residencies, the leadership school, the community kitchen, the uh, business incubator, all of the things, that the coffee shop, the community gardens, all of the things that you dreamed about, we want to see God's people stepping into those dreams. One plant, ten schools, 100% activated, and we want to see a thousand leaders empowered and equipped in the next five years. And ultimately, we want to be celebrating in the next five years, ten, this is God's word for us, 10,000 restoration schools. Stories of dreams. Restored. Stories of marriages restored. Stories of kids that are currently lost in the foster care system restored into a family. We want to see hope restored, identity restored. Every one of those restoration stories, and you all are a restoration story. You have a restoration story. And there are more restoration stories that God wants to write through your life. And everyone of them has. And we realize that the linchpin of all of those is that fourth one. A thousand leaders. So what does that mean? I'm not a leader. I think God would disagree. What we define as a leader is exactly what we've just been talking about. Restored people called into God's restoration mission. Every one of you, God is called to lead something. Family, home, third grade classroom, business, organization, a kid's life small group, a love middle school, Discipleship group, chapter of football team. I don't know what it is for you. That's it. And I guess for most of you, you've got an inkling of what that is already. It's a glimpse. Maybe it feels 2D in a 3D world still. But that's good for you, man. So, over the next eight weeks, what we're going to dive into is uh, this afternoon of restore. These things we believe God is wanting to, to strengthen and birth in our lives and what it means to follow him as restored people. So five more minutes giving you the first of that restored vision for your lives, for my life. That first R is simply this. You see in the life of man with the withered hand, Receptive. Receptive. Learning to recognize and respond to the voice of God. Learning to recognize and respond to the voice of God. That's God's desire and has been from the beginning of creation. Since he walked with Adam and Eve in his garden. Since he showed up in a burning bush to Moses. Since he uh, made himself known to a little shepherd boy named David. 
since he whispered in the dark to a kid named Samuel, God has always desired that we recognize and respond to his voice. Now, for all our amazing kids that are in the room, do any of you know what this thing is? It about blow your minds. That, yeah, is a phone. Right? That's crazy, isn't it? As compared to the little devices that, that you can fit in your pocket, can you imagine having to carry that around with you everywhere? <laughs> Try to put Roblox on that thing, right? The craziest part about this is, look, you can't actually carry it. This is the work that had to be plugged in, and then you had to use this thing, which if you were lucky, and were really cool in seventh grade, you got the extended version, <laughs> And you didn't have to stand in the kitchen with mom and dad to talk to your girlfriend. You'd go hide in the pantry. Total hypothetical. I mean, I'm making that up. And if you were, if you were a kid and you came, uh, you hopefully were handed this, uh, if you played this game, we're going even more old school with that. Y'all get your little, uh, your little phone cups? Yeah, I see one that you already made it. Yeah, you just poke a little hole in there's three holes. You got these little paper clips and it's tied to a string. This is amazing, yeah, technology. And you can, if you take this in and somebody else holds the other end and speak into it, does it make sense? Y'all know what Yeah, we've played this game. I know you're going to play this game, right? Okay, where am I going with all of this? God's desire for your life is to have the kind of relationship with Him that you recognize his voice when he calls you. Now, back in the day, before caller ID and little computers we kept in our pockets, when somebody called, how did you know who was on the other end of the line? Hello. Hello. <laughs> you had to recognize his voice. And how did you begin to recognize somebody's voice? The more you listen to. The first time, they'd be like, hey, and like, hey, this is Joe. And then, you oh, hey, Joe, you name it. Oh, that's Joe calling. So the next time the Joe calls, they're a little bit faster than you recognize, oh, this is Joe. So that by the time your best friend calls 200 times, or the 200 times, you don't even have to say anything just for the way that they breathe on the other end of the line. You know what's there. What is that with our relationship with God? What if it was that he, what, this is what's true, is he's always speaking. His voice is eternal. Through his word, through his spirit, through his scriptures, through his people, God is always speaking. And even right now, he is speaking a word for you. Whatever's going on in your life, wherever you need him to show up, whatever clarity or guidance or direction or healing or forgiveness you need right now, the daily bread you need to eat this morning, he's speaking that word for you. But I think so many of us, that phone is ringing, and we're so distracted with all of our devices and busyness and all the noise and everything yelling at us and we're just wandering around and the phone's ringing 
and we're just frantic and trying to figure it out and trying to get answers and do more and be more useful and I feel lost and some of us are hiding over here in the corner because we're so ashamed how could God love me anyway I know that what I did last Friday that was horrible and so I'm just trying to fix my life up and, and figure things out and I'm just frantic and, and trying to and I'm exhausted and I go to sleep and the phone is ringing and God is saying stop So maybe there's you an application. Where do you go from here with that? And each one of these things, we want to be able to say, all right, tomorrow morning, how can I start to practice this? And then we also want to say, as a church family, how are we equipping you in these ways? So when you look at that, you go, man, that's a nice thought. I don't know what that means. I don't know how to recognize God's voice. How to hear from him. That's crazy talk. Well, one more. Take 15 minutes. And just sit inside. Your kitchen table, on your way to work, turn the radio off. And just pray that prayer, Samuel. Speak, Lord. Your service of Now, what do you want me to know? Use your reading your Bible. The clearest dialogue and learn to recognize his voice in our lives. Now, what do we need to do with this? We can all practice that tomorrow. But then for some of you, maybe what you're feeling is like, I need somebody to come alongside me and coach me in some things. So in a few weeks, we're going to be beginning in March uh, some classes. What's called Hearing God. If you haven't taken Hearing God yet, I'd say, man, jump in on that. On identity and forgiveness and recognizing His voice and and, and learning to respond to what he's saying. So we'll start that in March. We don't wait till March to start practicing how to pick up the phone. Do we have eyes to see? Do we have ears to hear? What the Lord is doing and what the Lord is saying. We are being invited to become oaks. And the first step in that journey is to become a saint. I want to pray for us. And then I'm going to ask you, just after I pray, just kind of make, take that posture. We don't want to talk about something and then not practice it a little bit. And just kind of still your heart and your life. And I've asked uh, Laura and Zach just to play a song over us. And even just right now, where you sit, to just breathe. And just ask God, God, what do you know? What are you saying? How are you reading? So Lord, I thank you for your word, for the testimony of your scripture that you are a God who loves us, who desires to make yourself known to us. 
that you've never given up on us, no matter how far away we wander, no matter how big you screw up, you never give up on us. So Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your forgiveness. And I just pray for each person here, for your sons and daughters, who you love, and you know, and you hear them, and you see them. Even right now, you just whisper the word into their heart this morning. Nobody wants to know. I pray that we still the busyness of our minds and all of those other voices that are competing for our attention, our appetites, our culture, your enemy, Lord comes to steal and kill and destroy. You're the good shepherd. You call your sheep by name and lead them forth. And so we pray in your voice, the voice of the true Lord Jesus, that will speak of our souls for the need. In your precious name, Thanks for listening. Once again, our mission at Grace Monroe is to pursue God's heart for the restoration of all things. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, go to graceformonroe.com connect. Also, if you felt blessed by our ministry and want to partner with us financially, everything you need to know about giving is online at graceformonroe.com give. We hope you have a wonderful week. Be blessed.